Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. Although we're often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Hi. (laughs) Beth asked me a while ago if I would try and write a a poem uh, about the Abrahamic Covenant. And I have done so. And I've kind of centered it on the promises of God. And it goes like this. The Abrahamic Covenant. God promised land to Abraham and gave him Palestine. God promised him the seed for generations of his kind. God promised he would bless him and great would be his fame. People in the world would all be blessed through Abraham's name. How can this be, asked Abraham. I'm 99 years, he cried. And my Sarah, too, is 90 years, and she's never born a child. God always keeps his promises. And a son to them was born. Isaac, seed of Abraham, with God's love was adorned. This everlasting covenant between God and Abraham was kept through faith and eventually brought to us the great I am. Thank you, Della. <clears throat> that was wonderful. You can see why I always ask Della to write these poems when something's coming up, and she graciously does so. <clears throat> I very much apologize for my voice. Um, but I'm expecting a miracle. (laughs) So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. You're so good to us, so kind, so compassionate, so full of love. There are so many things we could go on and on just declaring your praise and how we thank you that you give us your word, that we can know you, that we can understand your ways, and that we can hear the promises that you have given to us. And Lord, I pray that today we might understand this in a fuller and deeper way, that we would go away from here having felt like now we understand even better what it is. When you promise, it is a sure thing. It is yes and amen. And so we pray that we would see this in Abraham's life and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, make application in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been uh, going through covenant, and we're doing covenant again today. And uh, this, to me, um, it's no surprise my voice is so terrible today, because to me, this is the most important passage in Scripture. 
where we learn about what God does for us and about our response to him. And really, this is the, the crux of the theme that's throughout scripture. God is sovereign. He loves us. He has called us to himself, and he's made it possible. And our part is to respond in faith. And so um, we really see this in this story. And this story is repeated so many times in Scripture as to be our example of what it is to have true faith in God and how that's different than just religion or having some sort of spirituality. It's not about that. It's about this living person, this Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, it's learning how to have that relationship with them, that they love us, and that um, he, and you notice I keep going back between um, they and he because it's the triune God, but he is one person, one God. So um, this is where we learn about that in its fullest detail. So um, I just wanted to talk about um, when we face dark times, and Abraham faced dark times, and, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but sometimes in our life, like lots of times things are going along just fine, and you may be in a time where everything's good, and, and that's wonderful, but it's not always like that, and we know that. Sometimes we face dark times. Sometimes we face losing somebody extremely important to us. Sometimes we know that our loved ones are facing losing us. And uh, sometimes it's, um, you know, maybe it's, it's very um, worldly in the sense it's about finances, but we know how much, you know, our lack of finances can cause stress for us. And, uh, you know, regardless of the big picture, we still have to pay our bills, and sometimes we don't know how to do that, and we don't know if we're going to have the funds. Sometimes it's about our children. Maybe there's something that's wayward that's gone with them, and and they're um, straying away, and we're concerned for them, and our concern turns into worry, and our worry turns into desperation for them. Sometimes um, it's about forgiveness. There's something that's happened, and there's no way that we can muster up in ourselves forgiveness for what's happened to us or, or happened to somebody that we love. And forgiveness is very difficult. Maybe we're waiting on a report from the doctor and maybe we're expecting a bad report or maybe we've already received one. Darkness comes, <clears throat> but God is faithful. And he promises us that he will be faithful. It's one thing to believe and trust when all is good, but it's another when the way is dark and it's uncertain. And that's really what we're going to talk about today, that the covenant is the confirmation of God's promises. So um, I wanted to just read to you something from uh, King George VI. So you know how uh, Queen Elizabeth always gives her Christmas message and uh, my mom always um, put on the radio when Queen Elizabeth was due to come on and in those days we didn't have the website that you could listen to at any time like we have now. And so the household was quiet while she listened to the Queen's message which was usually only about 10 minutes. But uh, her father, King George VI, he um, did that in Christmas of 1939 
And England was engaged in um, a terrible life struggle against Nazi Germany. And the king brought this Christmas message. And um, I just wanted to share it with you. So England was facing really, um, you know, what Churchill called the darkest hour. This is what um, he quoted. He quoted a, a poem. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. King George's speech concluded, may that almighty hand guide and uphold us all. Can you imagine leading a whole country in a time of terrible war and terrible struggle? There would be many lives lost, already had been, and many lives yet would be lost, and England would be bombed, London would be bombed, and yet the king, the leader of the country, is telling them to put their hand in the hand of the almighty God. Wouldn't you love to have a leader like that? But we have got um, the example in Abraham. So think about, think about him and what he's been through. God has called him out of Ur. God has called him out of Ur, out of the place that's familiar to him. And some of you are here, and it's not a familiar place to you. You've been called out of some other place that was familiar, and now here you are. And so he's called out of her the place that's familiar, the place where he had an established family um, going, and he had lots of stuff, and things were going well. And God calls him to leave that land. And it's a day when there was no, there were no travel logs. There was no website to look at and to see where he was going. He had no idea where God would lead him. And step by step, he had to trust God and believe, you know, God is saying a little bit further, a little bit further. So he went all the way up the Euphrates River, up to Haran, and then down into the land of Canaan. And it was there that God said, this is the land that you will possess. And it will be your descendants who will possess it. So he left her. And in that uh, journey, when he was up in Haran, his father Terah died. So now his, um, his, he's left the people he's familiar with. He's still with his dad. Now his dad dies. And so he makes his way down into Canaan. And he and Lot separate so Lot was like a son to him he was his adopted nephew because Lot's father had died and so Lot was close to him he was like his own son because Abraham had no son and so <clears throat> but Lot left because he desired the things of the valley more than um, the things of that Abraham had to offer and um on top of that, there was battle, and Lot was taken captive, and it dragged Abraham into a war that was not his own. And he chased after these kings, these very strong kings that came from the east, and he conquered them by the mighty hand of God with 300 men and a few other allies. So it was, you know, a surprise attack, and, and now he's back, and um, those kings 
Although they've been defeated in that battle, they are still very strong kings. And at any time, they could come back in retaliation. And it won't be a surprise attack for Abraham anymore. He will have to defend himself. So he has um, stirred up the anger of these kings. He doesn't know what will happen in the future if they will come back in the in the following year. So, um, And then on top of that, he, he sees King Melchizedek who is uh, king and priest to the Most High God, and he doesn't take any of the spoils from the king of Sodom because he decided that that was you know, not the right thing to do, that he wanted no one but God to, to bless him. And on top of that, not taking the spoils, he also gave 10% of everything that he owned. Capital we're talking about, not income, but his capital he gave to the Lord God. And so um, he's depleted in every way. He's depleted in relationships. He's depleted in strength. He's depleted in finances. He's depleted in uh, security. In every way he's defeated. And this is the place where we see him in Genesis chapter 15. So think about that when you're in your dark places, that Abraham was there as well. And let's learn from Abraham. So let's look at chapter 15 of Genesis, if you have your Bibles or your, your app <coughs> with you. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. So in other words, God completely understood where Abram was. He understood how difficult this was for Abram. He understood the darkness that surrounded him. And Abram didn't say to God, I'm afraid. God knew. And he said to Abram, do not fear. I am a shield to you. If those kings come back, I am your shield. If you have financial troubles, I am your shield. If you have a bad report from the doctor, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. And Abram um, said to the Lord, so now he enters into this conversation with the Lord, and we get a window in it. O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, since thou hast given me no offspring, um, sorry, since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. And so he doesn't have any children. He's getting older. Um, Lot is gone. And so he's saying, well, I guess it's all going to go to Eliezer. That would be the normal thing because Eliezer probably was um, raised up in his household and now is, is close to him but not his own child. But, you know, that's better than nothing to pass his stuff on to. <coughs> And uh, so this is where he is. And he says, Lord, I know you made promises, but I don't have any child. And I don't know what you're going to do about that because I have no child. So I guess this is what you meant. Have you ever done that with the Lord? You know that his promises are there and, and you know that he gives you peace and you, you still can't seem to calm down. But you say, well, you know, I guess this is what it is. It is what it is. That's how we go. Um, or, you know, we're just, we have these major disappointments. We say, well, you know, I, I guess that's kind of like what God promised. That isn't the truth, actually. God's promises are very great. 
And the thing about his promises is that they all rest in him. And sometimes we get our eyes focused on what's around us and not on him. And he's going to teach Abram to keep his eyes on the Lord and to watch how God will fulfill these amazing promises that he's given to him. So uh, in verse 4, God reaffirms his promise. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man, meaning Eliezer, will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Like it's going to be your own child, even though you're old. It's going to be your own child, Abram. And it's like God just puts his arm around Abram, and he takes him out of the tent, and he says, Look up at the stars, Abram. Just look at how many stars there are. If you have, have ever been in a place where, you know, we don't have city lights lighting up the, the stars, if you've been in the mountains or maybe on a desert, you know just how uncountable the stars are. And he takes Abram out and he says, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you can. I mean, you can't. He said, so shall your descendants be uncountable. And one of the things that I love about that scripture is that Abram is probably still thinking to a certain degree about physical children, and God does mean that for Abraham. But the greater thing is Paul in his writings tells us that the real children of Abraham are those who believe. And what a great thing as Abram looks at those stars that God is making reference to all of us who believe that we too are children of Abraham because of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says this wonderful verse that is quoted many times um, is um, to be understood to be a wonderful, great verse about Abram's journey. Then he believed in the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Have you wondered how to be righteous? It's never going to come through your deeds. It's never going to come through your acts of goodness or kindness, even though those are good things. Righteousness only comes from one source, and that is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ to make us righteous. He is the one who makes us righteous, and that has to be what Abraham is believing right here. He may not know Jesus' name, but he does know, and it tells us in Scripture in the New Testament, that he understood. In Galatians 3.6, it tells us that this is when he was made righteous, and he understood that the seed that would come from him would be the Savior of all the world. And it's, um, it's just such a key verse in the Word of God. So our part is belief. God does everything else. He calls us. He gave us the way of salvation. He provided his son as our sacrifice. He gives us relief from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin in our daily life. God has done everything for us. And all that he has called for us to do is to truly believe him. And true belief will walk itself out in a faith walk. And that's what we see in Abraham is that faith walk. And so we want to watch and see how does he then walk out what that true belief is like. 
So he has this conversation with God. And you hear in Abraham's voice that it's not like, what about? Not shaking his fist. It's this wonderful, intimate relationship with the Lord where he is saying, but how? How are you going to do this? And the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. So he's reminding him really of his whole journey to now. And he said, I brought you here. I'm giving you this land. And Abram said, oh, Lord God, how may I know that I shall possess it? And this is the Lord's response. His response is covenant. This is such a key, important covenant in the word of God and teaches us so much about our God who is a covenant-keeping God because covenant is the confirmation of his promises. He's already made these promises to Abraham. With God, it is yes and amen. When he gives his promises, it's a sure thing. But his covenant is confirmation that yes, it will happen because he knows how much we need to see um, that physical, um, uh, not just imagery, but this actual cutting of covenant. So we're going to read the covenant And I'm going to explain a little bit about covenants because we're not that familiar with them anymore. Um, We have contracts, but contracts can be broken. A covenant, what a covenant does is it's putting one's life on the line. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to see a contract before me that says if you don't fulfill this, you're going to have to die, I don't think I'd sign it. And I would advise you not to as well. (laughs) So, um, but a covenant is different. A covenant, God is saying, a life is required if the covenant is not kept. Verse 9. So God said to Abram, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. And the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, oh, all day he's been sitting there. Are you waiting on God? It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy to wait on God. God made these promises, and still Abraham has to wait. So I'm sure he did this first thing because that's his habit. He does things right away when God tells him. And now all day long, he's like what he's done, he's cut these animals in half this way and laid them, you know, open-ended like that, and the blood goes down the channel that's between where he's laid them on the stones. So there's like a lot of blood. And there's a lot of sacrifice. And I don't know if you've noticed, I don't know how those birds figure it out when there's a dead deer in the ditch, but they do. And they're all over it. And you can see when you drive by, oh, there must be a deer in the ditch. All you can see are all these crows and ravens and things. And so that's what's happening to Abram. He's having to drive off these birds of prey, these ravens and whatever they have there, vultures, 
and he's got to drive them off and keep them off. And that would be like being with this dead deer in the ditch and having to keep all those ravens off. It isn't that easy, and they get fairly aggressive. And so all day long he's doing this. So he's not just sort of laying around waiting for God and every once in a while flicking his hand like at a fly. Like he's having to be actively involved in his waiting. And waiting takes action because the birds of prey, i.e. Satan, will want to steal away your ability to wait on the Lord. And we must still fend off the evil one to keep, that wants to keep us from trusting. And so Abram continues to trust all day long. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So he's talking about what's going to happen in Egypt. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, i.e. Egypt will be judged. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Now, when he says peace there, he's not just talking about it's not going to be a, a chaotic death. He's saying that you will have eternal life. You will have peace because we all fear death. And he says, you will not fear because I am with you. And you will be with your fathers um, that have gone before you. And you will go in peace. And you'll be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they, meaning your descendants, shall return here. That's, you know, the exodus. For the iniquity of the Amorite, where they are living in Canaan there, is not yet complete. And it came about <coughs> when the sun had set that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. So this smoking oven and flaming torch, Abraham would have expected he's got to pass through those torn pieces of flesh those cut pieces. He would have expected if God is making covenant, who is he making covenant with? You always have two parties that come together and both parties pass through the torn flesh. So it must be God and me. And, you know, Abraham, to a certain degree, has met God before. And so he's probably thinking, how am I going to keep covenant with the Lord God Almighty, like he can keep his half. How am I going to ever be able to do this? This is impossible. And so part of his terror is what's coming. And so he's thinking, how can I possibly do anything like that? But the Lord causes a deep sleep to come over him, and he's aware of what's going on even in this sleep. And he sees the smoking oven and flaming torch two different things going through that flesh. There are two parties, only it's not Abraham that's going to keep it. It's going to be God himself. He is the flaming torch. He is the smoking oven. And when we think of that, it's like the cursor. It's like the smoke. And it's the mystery of God. And the torch is like the light of God. And it's representative, even when they left Egypt, 
there was the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire. And so we see that this is representing who God is. And he in his greatness is saying, Abraham, this is a covenant I'm making with you, but I will keep this covenant. And it's a covenant unto death. And it will cause the death of God himself in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And so God says, I am making this promise, and it will be fulfilled, and it will cause death. And Abraham, although he wouldn't have known all that we know, he would have understood that God is going to keep this covenant for him. And so God passed through these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So he actually is going to expand the territory that he's already told Abram about. The Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Cadmonite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Rephaim, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Girgashite, and the Jebusite. Every single one of these it sounds like, you know, what are we going through all this for? Because when we read Joshua, the book of Joshua, they're going to encounter every one of these people groups. And God is going to give them the land. and But he is giving them 400 years to repent before he comes. And the lesson we learn is they don't repent. They get worse. And the Lord promises that every one of these people groups will be defeated when his descendants come back in, when Abraham's descendants come back in after the exodus. So it's a promise unto death. And I wanted to um, read to you a few things out of the New Testament. So um, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Um, I wasn't going to turn to it, but I will. Because I think it's... A, it's um, it's really good for us to realize that, you know, the scriptures are all a whole. It's not like the Old Testament and we're done with that and now the New Testament. These things that are told to us in the New Testament are completely resting on what we learn in the Old Testament and what we learn from Abraham. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For as many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes. Wherefore also by him is our amen like so be it, to the glory of God through us. So God says this is going to happen. It's like a done deal. He will do it. If he says it, he will do it. And we say our response is amen to that. So be it, Lord, whatever your decision. And then in Romans 4, also written by Paul, and we've been studying this in the fall <clears throat> at verse 20. Romans 4.20. Uh, so Paul throughout this chapter has been talking about Abraham as being our example of faith. And in verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he, meaning Abram, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And I've written in my margin beside this, I've written um, a, a reminder to me that faith is a growing thing. You don't have like this astounding faith the minute you come to faith in the Lord. It's a growing thing. As you walk through experiences with God, your faith will get stronger and stronger and stronger. And growing faith is a strong faith. 
So if your faith is growing, you have a strong faith because that's what happened with Abram. And so um, being fully assured that what God had promised, God was also able to perform. So he's not only willing, he's actually also able. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be reckoned, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So it's the Lord Jesus Christ where we have confirmation of covenant. His covenant, the fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose again, it was witnessed by many, many people. That fact is confirmation that every other promise that God has ever given will come to pass. He has promised you eternal life. You will have eternal life. He has promised you peace when you go through the valley of of the shadow of death. You will have peace. He has promised you that if you will forgive, that you will experience release when you forgive others who have offended you. There's so many promises. And all those promises are a sure thing because he keeps covenant. Numbers 23:19, which is one of my favorites. It's one I've memorized, but I never like doing memory work in front of everybody because, of course, you never can do it. <coughs> but uh, Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Like, that's our God. When he says something, he keeps his promises. What he says, he will do. We may have bills that are waiting. We may have children that have gone astray. We may have a bad doctor's report. We may have somebody in our lives that we just can't seem to forgive. But he says that if we would trust him, he will take us through that trial and we will have victory in every single trial because he is with us and so I just want to wrap it up with Psalm 111 verse 9 of course it talks about God's covenant so Psalm 111 verse 9 he has sent redemption to his people he has ordained his covenant forever Holy and awesome is his name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I just thank you so much for you are great and you are faithful and you are faithful in keeping covenant. And, Lord, this this account that you've given to us, this um, true thing that happened with Abram, when you cut covenant with him, when you pass through those torn pieces of flesh, as the smoking oven, as the flaming torch. Lord, that was the Father and the Son making covenant for us, that you love us, that you have guaranteed our deliverance if we would, like Abraham, just believe. So, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to really believe, to not just say it, 
but to really have our lives changed because we believe your promises. We believe that we do have eternal life. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And because Jesus Christ is our Lord, then we are quick to obey all the things that he has commanded us in his word. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much for giving us new life. And for those that are not there yet, that are still contemplating this step of walking with you, oh Lord God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them again afresh, that they would see you in your word. All these things that you have spoken to us and in all these words that are before us, oh Lord God, may they believe. And Lord, would you help them in their unbelief. And Lord, when we face times where we falter in our belief, we pray that you would help us in our unbelief, that we would be steadfast, that we would be faithful, that we would be strong in spirit, and that we would trust you, our everlasting God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available. <laughs>